Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Here's one of the interviews from the stage of the 2016 Code Conference. If you like it, please leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay. I'm really proud to be up here with, with Jason Del Rey, who uh, Karen and I hired after I made him come to Maryland and meet me at a diner uh, for his job interview. A highway diner. A highway diner, yes. yes. But uh, Jason's our e-commerce reporter, uh, but he has something exciting going on in, in, uh, in uh, his career and in Recode's offerings, and why don't you tell them about sure. it? Sure, so about a year ago I started pitching the idea of a conference that mixed technology, retail, e-commerce, and payments, and uh, we launched this series of events a couple of weeks ago with a one-night event in Las Vegas called Code Commerce. We have two more coming up. Uh, the first one, we had Tony Shea among the three guests, Tony Shea of Zappos. In October in Vegas, we'll have John Collison from Stripe and two other speakers we'll get ready to announce soon. And then San Francisco on December 6th. Um, you guys should check it out. I'd love to see all of you there. And um, with that, another uh, big influence in the e-commerce world right now is obviously eBay. Let's bring out Devin Wenig, CEO of eBay. Devin? Devin. Morning. Good morning. Morning. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. <clears throat> um, I'm glad the simulation uh, allowed me to be here this yes, morning. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And if and if somehow you had you had tripped on your way out, we could rebooted it, <laughs> and it would have been all right. Um, so we're going to talk obviously a lot about uh, eBay and 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 e-commerce, but. Uh, what people may not know is, is that Devin, until about five years ago, was the CEO of Reuters. So he's in the media business, the, the news business. And for the people we have up here in the news business, we've been asking what we call the Peter Thiel question. And, and he actually, when I ran into him yesterday or the day before, said, you got to ask me the Peter Thiel question. So <laughs> well, <laughs> the question is, the question is, uh, you know, we, the press has always been subject to uh, a, a libel lawsuits and other kinds of, of, of constraints, but is it right for a billionaire to put large amounts of money secretly behind lawsuits seemingly to settle a, political, a personal score and to try to put a publication out of business? I'm, I'm going to answer the broader question, which is I think I side with a free media and a free press. I think we've got to be very careful. It is a nuanced argument. There's always a pull and a tug, but something feels like it's different. All First Amendment rights aren't created equal. There's a strong public interest in a free press. And rich and powerful people have First Amendment rights too. But if you allow that to be unfettered, and what that causes is a real stifling of voices and a real concentration of media, which it might, we're not going to like the result of that. And that really goes back all the way to the Constitution. So I don't want to get into, um, I don't want to get into, into all of that. But we've got to be really careful that powerful voices don't knock down what I call divergent points of view. You know, this immediate kerfuffle. I don't like the media actor. I don't re read what they do. I don't find it particularly valuable. But that's irrelevant. What's more relevant is that you shouldn't be allowed to 
drive media companies from expressing divergent points of view. And I think we've got to be really careful about that. Thanks. So <laughs> e-commerce right now growing about 15% in the US, something like that. Amazon's US business, uh, core retail, maybe double that. Um, eBay right now, low single digit percent. Six, 6% yeah. Xing out, foreign exchange. Yeah. And um, so what, do you, get, do you get up to average e-commerce growth at some point? What, what's going on right now in the business that, that you're I, at this point? I think we'll grow. I think we'll grow faster, but I think the relevant metric for us, I don't think e-commerce is a relevant metric anymore. I think it's commerce. About two years ago, the line between digital commerce and physical commerce became almost meaningless. You know, if I go into a store and I scan something and I walk out and buy it online, which lots of people do, is that commerce or e-commerce? And if I look at something, if I buy something on eBay and pick it up in a store, is that commerce or e-commerce? That's the pie. It's huge. It's $17 trillion. And if I look at our growth, yeah, I want to grow faster. I'll get to what my priorities are in my first 10 months as CEO. And short-term growth right now is not my priority. My priority is fixing our core issues so that eBay is competitive for the next 20 years. So let's, let's go there. What, what, what are your main core issues right now? Let me just start by uh, explaining what our business is. I think everybody knows eBay, but they may not know what our business is today. This, this is, um, continues to be one of the most successful businesses on the internet. eBay is 165 million active customers, shopping close to a billion items from over 20 million active sellers. If you look at the last, say, 12 months, our sales, what we call GMV, as you know, roughly 90 billion. So I think there's still a perception of eBay that it's small and it's auctions and it's kind of long tail items. The reality is eBay is the world's most sophisticated and large product catalog. Everything in the world, just about, is sold on eBay. And um, it's different than what many com com uh, competitors that you mentioned and many in the e-commerce space are. It's unique items, it's incredible deals. People shop eBay differently. Um, we're not a utility player. They tend to shop eBay for their passions. If they're going out for fashion, if they are, um, th that's what eBay is. So, so at, one, at one point, I, I knew for sure what eBay was, which was unique, authentic items you probably can't find in a lot of places. Yeah, and it still is. Over time, you've done more full price yeah. and more and working with big brands now. Yeah. And to me, that's confused me a bit, but is that, what does it stand for today? So I still think it stands for incredible unique items and incredible deals, even on brands. So if you look at our product catalog, there's more choice, more conditions, and more, um, just more breadth than any other competitor. And that's the essence of what eBay is. You know, if you need a printer cartridge in an hour, you're probably not going to shop eBay. But if you're going to buy a phone, an, an iPhone 7 when it comes out for yourself, but your son's going to lose his phone, so you might buy the 6, or you might buy a manufacturer refurb, or you might buy a brand new phone that was unboxed, that's eBay. Every version across every SKU, and that's the essence of what we've been great at, and that's why we sell $90 billion worth of stuff a year. So it's very broad, and, but it's very deep, and that's 
the essence of what I need to do to make eBay great is to be less like others and not more. I think there's been a view that, well, you've got to be like Amazon. I don't have to be like Amazon. I don't have to be like anybody else. I, the world doesn't need an almost as good Amazon. The world needs a better eBay, and that's what they're going to get. So speaking of better eBay, can I go on eBay and use Apple Pay? You can't use Apple Pay today because um, you can use credit card or PayPal, but... Well, whoa, whoa. That's yeah. not because. I mean, can, why can't... We probably can I use pay. Apple Pay? Can I use Android Pay? You can use Android can I use Pay. Apple? We haven't integrated Apple Pay yet, and we probably will. We have, you can use lots of different payment mechanisms, not just PayPal. It seems to me PayPal. that, you know, when you split from PayPal, you, you split yeah. in a corporate legal sense, and, yeah. but you kept PayPal around. It's... If you didn't know what had happened, you would think, okay, well, PayPal is still a big piece of this. Um, Steers you toward PayPal. Consumers have any huge amount of payment choice on eBay. You do not need to use PayPal on eBay. You can use any major credit card, just like most e-commerce players. We have a strong commercial agreement with PayPal. Which we'd like you to use PayPal. Which but requires that 80% of volume. Doesn't require it. Just incentivizes it. Right, but that's the, look, we can argue about semantics. The point is, I as a customer am pushed toward eBay as, my, as the preferential or the natural way to pay. Yeah, sure. I had the choice to pay by credit card before you split from PayPal, so sure. that's not new. But and it's also not new. I, it's not like a new day has dawned and PayPal is just one of, just like sort of down there. And, and, and you believe that other e-commerce companies don't incentivize you for the behavior that they want? You're, you're free to oh, pay. Of course they do, but I'm just talking about on payments and sure. PayPal. Sure. Uh, We'd love you to use PayPal, but you don't need to. We'd love you to use And you don't PayPal. think you're over-reliant on them? No. I think PayPal is works and it's efficient. And I honestly think that for us to really build this moat in the next 20 years, payment is the least of my issues. Um, I've got to build a structured data catalog so I have visibility of a billion items. I've got to evolve my brand so that I don't get questions that say, hey, aren't you the auction place? I've got to build a shopping experience. Used goods, I think is what I said. You said used goods, day, yeah. which is a small and declining minority of what we do. So for me, those are the issues I'm focused on. Those are the hard problems eBay needs to solve to get its next 100 million customers, to get its next 90 billion of sales. And that's my priority. Payment is way down the stack of things I'm worried about. Let's talk about a different part of the experience, which is whether or not you have to be, you know, wh whether the world needs like a lesser version of Amazon. The, ex the expectations that have been set af after you click buy by Amazon and some others is, you know when your package is arriving, there's a, control, there's a certain trust in that experience. Um, what has made eBay great in the past was the marketplace model where sometimes you don't know who you're dealing with, how the package is going to arrive. How, how do you think about the challenge of that part of the experience after, after the purchase? I think it matters. And I think that, keep in mind, we, eBay used to be a very unmanaged marketplace, and now it's a highly intermediated marketplace. So we control a lot of aspects of what happens, trust, delivery, shipping. Um, last holiday, two-thirds of all packages that sold on eBay got delivered in three days. So we care about that. Now, we have a different philosophy than some others do. Um, we don't put concrete in the ground. We think there's enough concrete in the ground. We don't warehouse items. 
the concrete that exists in the world are called stores. And there's a lot of existing warehouse and there's a lot of physical locations that hold goods. We're a data company. We use data to organize the world's inventory and get you that item as fast as we can. We don't forward deploy things in warehouses and then on ship them. Now, in a world where there may be a market for instant delivery, I don't think we're going to compete there. I don't want to do everything, and that's about us being eBay. I'd rather have a billion unique items that arrive in three days than a billion commodity items that arrive in one hour. That's our business, and that's why we're unique. That's a great line. It's a great quote, and I'm sure you mean it. But um, <laughs> I, I want to mean it. <laughs> but here's the but. I want to follow up on Jason. Um, Ten years ago, people were a little nervous that you know, I don't know who this guy is that I'm dealing with, and maybe I won't get my classic, you know, gadget from the '80s that I really want. I've done that. I've bought stuff like that on on, on eBay because uh, I collect that stuff. But uh, and you know, you get it it's double wrapped in duct tape, and it comes from you know the somewhere in Montana, and, and it's great. And you know, nine, nine out of 10 times, it's what you wanted, it's great. But you may not come for a while, you don't exactly know, and is this guy gonna cheat me? You know, all the, all the issues. Um, in a world where I can actually get something from Amazon, it shows up, they say it's gonna show up on Monday, they surprise me, it, it gets delivered on Sunday in front of my house. I've, I mean, I've, I, the first time that happened, I, I had to call my wife and say, oh my God, look at this. She goes, what? I said, it's an Amazon box. She said, so? I said, it's Sunday. She goes, oh yeah, that's really weird, you know? But that's, that's the world we live in now. Um, is there, does the gap between the double duct tape thing that I'm getting maybe Thursday, maybe the next Wednesday, the gap between that and the Amazon box on Sunday matter more to you. I, note to self, I've got to speak before Bezos at the next code <laughs> conference. Uh, but um, I, first of all, this tells me that that brand gap is real because that's not really the eBay that is today. So the eBay today is incredibly predictable. The rate of things going wrong, which we monitor religiously. Well, I, that, that wasn't a thing that went wrong. Yeah. That was just the, the normal behavior. Yeah, but that, if it came late, then it went wrong. To me, it's got to come on time, and on time for us is two to three days for almost all items. And, you know, more and more items are being shipped in an eBay box because we incentivize that to happen. So this is a very predictable, what I would call retail-like e-commerce experience, much more so than I think people think. And, you know, you were telling me you haven't used eBay in a while. It was it's cute true. in the early days of the internet to get this double wrap toilet paper thing from Montana, <laughs> but we sell $90 billion of stuff now. No and, offense and to Montana. Yeah, somebody, somebody in Montana who runs a toilet paper factory is pissed. <laughs> I know, but, I, I, I'm sure I could get in one day from Montana some awesome thing, I know. But, but you know, again, back to the point, we sell $90 billion of stuff, and it's not tchotchkes and toilet paper. It, it is a very... No, but you talked about unique items. I mean, sure. that is an advantage. Uh, sure. It may be declining. It may not be the biggest part of your business, but sure. in some ways, it's, still important. it's a distinguishing factor for it's you. It's still important, and I'd argue that if you are buying a printer cartridge and you need it now, that's one thing. Yeah. If you're buying the bumper on a 1947 Ford, 
you don't need it delivered in an hour. You need it right. delivered in a day or two days, and that's what we do. And I don't think there's going to be one company left in the world that people shop. Can I follow up and ask you about something we've asked a lot of our speakers here? It's been kind of emerged as, as a big theme of the conference because it's emerging as a big theme in, in the tech world, and that's artificial intelligence. Um, uh, I know you just wrote something on it. You think about it. Talk to me about where you think that is, where it's going, and particularly how it applies to eBay and maybe generally to commerce. It's, it's really important to me, and I think it's important to our company. Um, predictive modeling is not new for e-commerce. For 10 years, we and all of our competitors have been trying to say, hey, people that bought this also bought this. But it was pretty crude, and it was based around inventory clustering. You know, we'd look at people that bought this, then other people look-alike models of what people right. bought. <clears throat> Something changed in the last year, and I think it's a combination of uh, computing power, GPUs being brought online to uh, model big data sets, and the sophistication of algorithms, which now, um, inventory clustering is only one factor. We're now looking at demographics and other data, and we're layering all of that on top of each other in very sophisticated predictive models. For a company like ours... What, what is the customer, what's the result to the customer of relevance, some of that work? Re relevance. It's all about consumer relevance. I am go on eBay. I want eBay to feel like it's mine. I want it to feel like it's my eBay. I don't want it to feel like it's your eBay. I want it to feel like you know me. You know whether I want a $7 scarf or a $70 scarf. You know whether I like blue or red. You know that, um, you, you, you already know the car, so you know the bumper. It's very personal and not intrusive personal, seamless personal. And I, I actually think we are getting really close to that. And f for us, we started working on this in a lightweight uh, 10 years ago, but in the last year we've gotten really serious. And we're going to start deploying some things even later this year where um, you'll start to, it'll start to feel different. We can really, for us, I'd argue it's even more important than our competitors because of the breadth of our inventory. A billion items is an amazing advantage, and it can be a disadvantage because it can be overwhelming. It's been a, cha it's been a challenge desktop. It's been a challenge on mobile. You've done some things, try to fix that with discovery. Some has worked, some not so much. It's, it's you know, and, and as you know, that's why we're marching down building the world's biggest catalog because we need to have visibility of that inventory. Because, AI because it tends that. to fall down to the bottom of a silo, right? I mean, or things just don't get seen. That's they it. Just don't get sur surfaced. That's it. And search is, search is a tool that has um, marginal diminishing returns when you've got that large a commerce right. inventory. I think AI gives us another tool in the toolbox. So, so how would this... So I, All right. So you have convinced me that I better start looking at eBay again. Thank more. God I came to this conference. Thank God. One Thank customer God. at a time. Uh, and, and, well, you know, I mean, eBay's, these, hey, these people paid a lot for these tickets. I might have some spare cash. There you go. You know, Walt, has uh, some, Walt has some money. <laughs> so here's the thing. Are, am I going to go there and expect that you'll pop something up? Maybe not the first time, but if I, if I go, you know, a fair number of times, you'll start popping stuff up that so I would not have searched for? So I'll tell you what you'll see today and then what I hope you'd see a year from now. What you'll see today, which is our first experiments in this, is if you go on our homepage now and you're registered and we know anything about you. I'm, I've been registered long time. Not PayPal, apparently, <laughs> though. Um, I use you'll PayPal. start to see curation. Um, 
the homepage of eBay is now curated. There's something called eBay Today. It's really interesting collections of items. We tell stories about those items. What you see won't be the same thing as Jason. What you see won't be the same thing as 160 million other people. And if you start shopping and browsing, you'll start to see recommendations that I would call are pretty good. And we measure that, and we, obviously that has to convert for us, and that contributes to our growth. What you may see a year from now is eBay living off of eBay. I think that for us, meaning you know, today eBay is a place you go. You go to our site. You go to our apps. I think of eBay as a fabric. eBay is a commerce fabric that ha connects buyers with inventory. So we may reside where people spend their time outside of eBay. We may reside so in Facebook Messenger. We may reside um, in big social networks. We may reside in big messaging networks. And it may be conversational. It may take various forms which aren't registered, go to a site, go to a domain. I want to see eBay be ubiquitous where people spend their time. And to me, that's part of the big platform revolution that's not often spoken about. AI also allows this. I, the Internet of Things ends up being about sensors and devices. I think, of, I think of it differently. I think of it as an Internet that comes to you rather than an Internet that you go to. And that's what I want to position that, eBay for in the future. Tell me that's not a fancy name for more dumb ads no. that I find annoying and useless. I'm not accusing eBay of this because I don't think I've seen these from eBay, but from other companies, I, I don't, you know, I just bought that. To I me, just bought that. To, I'm, this to is me the an least ad, likely moment for me to buy it again, and yet every place I go on the internet, there's an ad for it. Well, you can't blame me for this because you told me you haven't shopped eBay in 10 years, uh, so blame somebody else. I'm not blaming you, but, 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 but you're talking about being where I am, and I get that. A good Other people are trying to be where I am, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it is, but they're doing it, it, it it's, it's I, dumb. The distinct, I distinguish, if you don't express intent and I'm in your face trying to get you to do something, that's incredibly annoying. If I Thank express you. intent, Thank you. but if I express intent, Right. then I'd love it for you to come to me rather than have me go to you. Right. And that's the vision of what I think AI will bring to various applications, and that's the way I want to position eBay in the future, which is sure, there'll be an eBay destination forever, but I want to see eBay become a commerce fabric. I want to see it live outside of the core marketplace, and we're starting to make those, those positions right now. So I, I talk to a ton of startups in my job, and... Um, I'd say one out of every, I don't know, let's say five, says we're going to carve out a piece of eBay that they don't focus on, they've neglected. And so examples today, you'll see, you know, there's a host of online consignment, you know, fashion, used fashion sites. There are, in sort of the local world, there is the idea of local commerce, um, taking business from Craigslist, part of that's eBay. How do you make sure that you catch one of those companies before, before it's too late. And those are just some examples. I mean, sure. you, you see this every day. It's, um, it's a, it's a, first of all, it's a very comp competitive market because surprise is so big. It's $17 trillion market. That's commerce. And you know, I'd love the field to be uh, dominated by three big players, uh, but it's not going to be that way. There'll be lots. With that said, it's easy to grow um, when you're small in commerce, and it's really hard to grow big. Um, there are three companies that have gotten a scale in digital commerce. There are three. 
there are lots of players that have extraordinary growth, and you add them all up, and they don't sell in a year what we sell in a day. It's with a balance sheet, you can grow in commerce. It's not hard to sell things for less than they're worth. That doesn't make a business. And by the way, there are a lot of startups in the commerce space that I don't think are businesses. I don't, it's not that they're not overvalued. You want to I don't name think, any names? No. But, <laughs> but I don't think they're businesses. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, that's a very important distinction. With an endless balance sheet, I can show you great growth. I mean, I can sell a lot of $1,000 televisions for $500, but, a lot but, of them. But that's not a business. You're noticing some of these because you're playing in some of these spaces. So sure. I mentioned competitors, companies trying to, you know, uh, disrupt Craigslist, uh -huh. and, you, and you have your own. And these are mobile-focused apps, sure. taking a visual approach to local, sure. local peer-to-peer -peer commerce. And I, because some of those models are very relevant, that's a classifieds model, and we run that classifieds model in ten countries around the world very profitably. The U.S. I think the classifieds market is up for grabs. And there are a lot of good startups that have entered that space, and we've entered that space with an app called Close Five, which is now at 8 million downloads. And we know how to run a classifieds business. We know the playbook, and we want to win. I think, so you spend them out of existence? No, we, we're, we're, we, are, we know how to run a classified playbook. It's not all about spend. It's about how liquidity. you use data. It's how you get liquidity. Yep. It's how you run market by market. It's what local means. And we know how to do this. I mean, we Would want... there be a classified ad on Facebook or wherever I am? Uh, Would that be part of what, what that fabric is? If you express about? intent, then why not? Why not? Why not if... If somehow you picked up a social signal that I was interested in a used car sure. or uh, something... Why not? Why not? If, we, if you knew that that exact car you wanted was for sale around the block but you didn't know that unless we, we showed right. you that, that would be a good consumer experience. And that's the difference between being intrusive and being useful. Be much better than I bought the car and the next day there's an ad. Yeah, of course. You want to buy the same of car. Of course, and that's about using data intelligently. That's about, I mean, whether you want to call it deep learning AI or just using data smartly, that's the essence of what e-commerce is. E-commerce is a data business. We're a data company. That's what we do. We have time for some questions. If anyone has one, we we do have a question right here. Oh, right over here. Hey, Devin, Mark Mahaney. Hi, Mark. I wanted to ask you about your ability to use data to go out and um, I know you're using data to help people who have come to the site, better curate the site, and find what they want. But you've got so many unique items on the site. I'm sure everybody here would have three or five or ten things they would find really interesting on eBay. They just don't know it. Yeah. And so is there a way to use data to actually go out and use smart ads or smart targeting? And think about all the people who've been on eBay in the past who haven't been back in a while, like Walt. I mean, there's got to be a way to tap into that because there's a lot of interesting stuff that people don't know is there. So you get them to come to the site in the first place. Yeah, we're, yes, is the short answer. Thanks for the question. Um, I, all of this is about relevance. It's about consumer relevance. So. We regularly reach out to users that are lapsed, like any e-commerce company, and we say, hey, this is something new. It might be interesting to you. Last time you were here, Walt, last time you were here, you bought a sweater, and there's a killer new sweater, and it's at a better price, and it's at a better color. You know, that's what we do, and we reactivate customers all the time. But I think in this spirit of something is changing, data's getting better, and we're getting more data sources in, and our targeting is getting much better. So if we have no idea who you are, if you've never been to eBay, most people in the world have, but if you've never been to eBay, 
that's where we have to have a very light touch outside of, that's where, you know, we don't spam, and, and, but we can be present in digital ads and other, other means outside of the marketplace. But if we touched you and we know something about you, you're going to see more and more targeting about, we think this might be relevant to you. And the way we do that is we do that through CRM, through email, we do that through social networks, we do that everywhere you live in your digital life, as long as it's not intrusive. Okay. Another question. Yes. I have a question. Sorry. Uh, Devin, I have a question about StubHub. Where does that fit into the eBay family, and how does it contribute to the growth? And I mean, it's the largest secondary ticket marketplace, right? Now in the world, after we did an acquisition last week, yeah, StubHub was, um, StubHub was an acquisition that we did uh, probably about 10 years ago, and it's been an incredibly successful business. StubHub is the largest secondary ticket market uh, in the U.S., and as of last week, now in the world, we purchased a business in Europe, and it now has uh, taken StubHub to 47 different markets. You know, StubHub is a remarkable consumer experience. It's really incredible to be able to now, with mobile, literally sit in a seat at Yankee Stadium or somewhere in the world and upgrade your ticket while you're in the venue. Literally snap a better ticket, walk down, have it scanned, and walk into a better seat. I mean, that's an incredible consumer experience. StubHub is also a good example of, I've heard the mantra that it's impossible to change the trajectory of growth in an internet business. Can't be done. Well, I told, I told you a year ago when, when you first became CEO after the split that I had heard that you were the only person inside of eBay management who wanted to keep StubHub as part of eBay and thought it makes sense. So, so you, I, you want to tell me? I want to take a victory lap because when you said that, yeah. when you said that StubHub was growing at four or five percent, and now StubHub, at a, as a four billion dollar business, is growing at thirty-five percent, and that's product changes that we've made. That is a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. Trying to do an eBay, I'm not saying we're going to grow that fast, but I'm saying it is not impossible to change the trajectory of growth in an internet business, and we've done it. We've done it with StubHub. It is a rapidly growing, at-scale market leader what is the and a great what, business. What's the ceiling on that business as a secondary? You've done one direct ticket relationship with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I haven't watched them in a couple of years, because they are awful to watch. But um, Yes. Is that a big part of the future? Or because I, I don't know how many of those deals I, you can actually do. What you saw us do last week is what we'll continue to do, which is StubHub has taken a lot of share in the narrowly defined U.S. secondary ticket market. So we're redefining the market. Um, one is geographic, and then second is the type of ticketing experiences. So the world is way behind the United States in the secondary market. It's at early stages of development. I think there's at least another StubHub outside the U.S. that is in the first inning um, of growth. And that's why we did the acquisition. And, you know, so that'll be, that cr creates a lot of runway for that business. But secondary is, not, is a term that insiders use for fans. They just want a ticket. I don't know what a secondary ticket is. I just want to go to the game. So we may push down into primary where it makes sense. We also may push down the tail. You know, today we do huge events. We do concerts, sports. But there are a ton of events in the world, and the StubHub brand is so strong that I don't see why it wouldn't so have you mean relevance. mean like art exhibitions? Sure, why not? I mean, you know, whatever. we may not go all the way down the tail, but, you know, we'll call it the torso. Um, from the 76ers or the Yankees game to uh, the code, this isn't an open conference, but there are, there are some that are. 
And why wouldn't StubHub have relevance in that, in that venue? And, and they have also have great data, and they express intent through targeting very, very well. Let's get another question. This has to be the last one, I think. Hi, Devin. Uh, Pam Dillon, Wine Ring. We do deep learning in sensory consumer products, namely uh, the wine industry. Question for you on who you We you're just launched a wine category last I, week, I, two I, weeks That's going to be part of my question. Okay. Uh, the first part is, how would you define your target customer? How is that target customer evolving? How do you see the evolution of that going? And second of all, how does that definition sit in the context of your choice to enter the wine industry? I, the way we define our customer is not demographic, it's by what we would call a shopping occasion, meaning people shop differently for different things. Our target customer, if you look at the demographic, it's everybody. It's young and it's old and it's men and it's women. It's incredibly heterogeneous. But they do the same thing on eBay. They treasure hunt and they self-express. They go to eBay because they're looking for an incredible deal or they go to eBay because they want a unique item that they can't find somewhere else. And that's why we tend to over-index in emotional categories over functional categories. So that's our target customer. Our target customer is somebody who comes looking for something unique or comes looking for an incredible deal. It's the, the future, future Walt Mossberger. Yeah, that's, where, that's what it is. Starting today. Starting today. today. Later this afternoon. Um, I'm spending our, all afternoon on eBay. It happens to be that our target customer drinks, thankfully. And um, there you go. And, Wine is, um, I think, one of these categories where e-commerce is progressively eaten. Category after category, people say it's not going to fall. This will be the one that won't go to e-commerce. There is no category that won't go to e-commerce. You know, we could talk about art and others. But wine has an online business, but it's massively underpenetrated. And when you look at the inefficiency of supply and demand across a national or even a global wine market, it's extraordinary. Um, local purchasing economies, local monopolies, the inability to get good wine, the inability to understand what good wine is, that's our target customer. And I think it's going to be a multi-billion dollar category, and we're just getting started. I think it's really exciting. Uh, are you expecting to apply that treasure hunt theory to wine? In other words, uh, are people, you, do you expect people to go to eBay and buy the kind of, you know, wine brands that are often heavily, I'm not talking about junk wine, but you know, sort of middle market wine that's discounted a lot that you can buy in the supermarket or the local wine store. It's not cheap. Or are, wine, you, no. are you finding interesting different wines that you can sell at a, at a good price? It's wine, wine that a CEO would drink. Which is uh, lowbrow, believe it. <laughs> but I, it's, it's really interesting. I think the way wine goes is the way the marketplace goes generally, which is at the top end, the rare and unique wines, like if you go on right now since we launched, there are multi-thousand dollar bottles of Bordeaux and rare wine that are selling. Yeah, Devin, I'm not buying those. Well, so I didn't, you know, you know somebody is. Uh, okay. And that's, that's the self-expressionist who is, it, so it's not cheap, it's unique. Those are unique items that are only on eBay. Then in the middle, for the treasure hunter, I think that middle category is going to be exposing wines that people don't know exist. Here's a great uh, Napa Valley vineyard that you can't get. It's not in your store. You may have ne never heard about it. Now, using content to explain that and say this is kind of like this, it may be a bit cheaper, it's an excellent, uh, it's an excellent choice. That's what we do, right? That's about not being a commodity logistics company 
That's about being a unique item company. That's what eBay, a, a, a treasure hunting and a, val, a value seeking company. That, that's going to have a big place in the world. And wine to me is just an expression. So of that. not the more commodity wines. I, I don't think we're going to sell really cheap commodity I'm wines. I'm not talking because, about bad wines, just, right. just wines that you see commonly. But if, if people want, um, I, I, I'm not looking down on it. I just think that there are plenty of markets, local markets. If you want a $5 wine, you can go to your grocery store and buy a $5 wine. We're not, we may not have a role to play there. I'd be happy to sell $5 wine. I don't think we play a massive role there. It's going to be in that middle market where I didn't know there was a deal or in that unique item where I just couldn't get access to it. Or you sell the $30 wine for $21 yeah, or exactly. whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that, to me, wine is just a metaphor for that's what we do. Well, thanks. Thank you, Thank Devin. You, Devin. Thanks for listening to Recode Replay. Remember to leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Replay and be sure to check out our other podcasts. Every Monday, I host Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. On Thursdays, you can hear Recode Media, where Peter Kafka interviews the smartest and most interesting people in the media world. And on Friday, I host Too Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge. You can find all these shows and more at recode.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.